A sacrificial altar stands in the center of a large alcove. Blood and entrails drip over the cold, carved edifice with a blood moon ascended on the front. The huge statue of a long-forgotten god, looming over the scene, glares at you with green gem eyes. The scene fills you with dread, but you experience more than that. Some form of energy seems to be building up around the altar. As you linger, the sensation grows. The energy seems to be emanating from the stone of the sacrificial table which pulses through the gore lapping at its base. Your feet disturb some of the congealed sinews which crackle with wild, untamed arcane power. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Rogues in the House. Today we have a very, very special guest. I am thrilled. I'm sort of a, a I'm going to fanboy a little bit here on this episode, uh, and I see him laughing at me already. Uh, we have the legendary tabletop crafter, perhaps the father of the modern crafting movement, DM Scotty. Scotty, how you doing? Hey, how's it all? How's everybody going? Great to be here. So glad that I could come uh, talk with you guys tonight. Awesome. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you. And as well, we have uh, the two wingmen that are always here. We got Logan. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? And then we got Matt. What's going on? Terrible. Terrible. No, oh. And Logan, you asked me how I'm doing. I, I always yes. forget. I'm doing you well, do. too. Thank you. I do. Good. I'm glad. And Matt's doing terrible, but not really. No. In truth, I'm very good. I'm very good. I think you're just about as big of a fanboy on this one as I am, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's clear when you have um, a particular somebody in a genre or a, um, a tribe, as it were, um, you know, the name rings out, and with good reason. Absolutely, yeah, but you're going to play the cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all gushing over here, and you're like, yeah, no, it's, it's cool, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just fluff up my leather jacket here, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you get the Canadian Fonzie. <laughs> Very good. Um, all right, so you know we're gonna have some fun tonight. We're gonna we got a lot of uh, questions, a lot of a lot of cool things to talk about. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we uh, we go into our first segment, which is called now uh, Bizarre of the Bizarre. Which again, for those of you who don't know, that's a uh, Fritz Library reference. Uh, this is our segment where. We sort of can talk about the cool things that we've either been doing or are into, um, and um, you know that's that's where we go. But you know what? We'll start um, with Logan this time. All right. Um, so this week has been a busy week for me. Um, I'm a history teacher, and there was a big night that we call Walk Through History, where like the community comes, and it was fun. I teach uh, like state history, and sixth grade is is world history and it just reminded me how much I miss world history because they're like making Roman shields and they made little models of the uh, uh, Trojan horse and stuff like that. That's super cool. So that's what I've been up to this week. But I did get a chance to finally read the first three parts of Black Starlight by John C. Hawking, which attaches to the back uh, or to the end of the new Conan comics. And we've had some particular uh, followers on Facebook that have been begging to have the the prose mentioned, um, and I, yeah, yeah. Who is writing uh, the story for the Savage Sword of Conan comic, which comes out the day before Valentine's Day, so the thirteenth this week? But I really enjoyed it. It's hard for me. I know it's twelve parts long, 
and I read three parts, which I think was about nine pages, and it was all very interesting and good. I still ultimately think that I would rather wait to get the whole story, like buy a what, like trade paperback or whatever that has all the parts in it, instead of like waiting a, like what two weeks to a month or whatever to read each part, because um, I feel like me being me, I'm gonna forget uh, what exactly happened in that time. But overall, um, I think it's a good story. I think it's promising. Um, it makes me want to read Emerald Lotus even more, which is the prequel to this story. So, yeah, that's my, my one thing, I think. With what they're doing uh, with that comic series, I mean, I love the idea that they're adding oh, yeah. the, pro, the pros into it. But I would agree it's like, I don't know how well it's going to lend itself in those short tidbits. Um, for me, I actually read the first two, and then I'm just going to wait for the others. And I, I actually just finished reading Emerald Lotus like a month or two ago. Yeah. So it's all very fresh for me. But I, I believe I saw Scott Odin mention that I think he tried to write his segments knowing that they would be kind of broken up like that. Oh, okay. I might, I might be imagining it. Um, I read a lot of stuff on the internet, so <laughs> who knows? Hey, Logan, you can't say one thing. We're gonna get we're gonna get sued I, by the Chromecast. I, I like. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. That's their thing. <laughs> that's too, their thing. <laughs> That's their own thing. We can't do that. <laughs> can't do that. Right. Don't sue us, broadcast. <laughs> so uh, let's go. Let's go over uh, the well, not really the pond, but over the land to uh, to Matt. Ah, uh, yes, to my northern climes. That's right. I have been checking out a couple things. Uh, I usually try and make my bizarre find uh, something maybe a little more. Well, not, not so much a video game, but this week it's going to be a video game. Um, I've been playing God of War 4 for a while, and I had sort of just cracked the surface a little bit, uh, and I didn't get that much time to sort of ease into it. But that changed uh, this week. I crushed about five hours over a couple of days, which to huge video game nerds is probably nothing, but to me it's significant. And it's a fantastic game. If you've played previous God of War uh, titles, you'll know that it's um, is a little different. Definitely more of a, a story in this one and a, a sort of human relationship uh, for the characters. It's not just manly grunting and like spraying blood all over the, the screen. Right, no, but there, there is a touch of that. Like, it's, it's yeah. all about um, his relationship, Kratos' relationship with his son. Um, and they're on this quest to find out really what, what's going on with the mother who died. And it's, it's interesting, too, because it, it goes away from the Greek mythology and moves into Norse mythology, which kind of opens up the whole world a little more. Anyways, if you've got a PlayStation, it's by all metrics, you know, one of the greatest games on the system currently. Um, and I highly recommend it. God of War 4. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not like this massive 200-hour investment, right? No. It's more of like a 20 to 30-ish hour length. Yeah, I think it's the, yeah the sweet spot that you and Alex and I would would have talked about, where we don't we don't want a 70-hour, <laughs> 100-hour right. game. I can't anymore, right? I can't play The Witcher 3 all the way through, no matter how much I want to. I, I, just, I just can't. Yeah, I, I wish I could, but it's just not going to happen. Scotty, you play many video games these days, or at all? I do actually, but I uh, <clears throat> I generally don't play single player games. I really don't find those much fun. Sure. I usually play like multiplayer games. Sure. Uh, so right now, 
actually, my family and I have been playing um, Fortnite, not the kill each other part, but the they have a PVE ver version where you fight zombies and you, you build a fort and you fight zombies and stuff. That's pretty fun. So I've been that's what I've been playing online. Nice, that's awesome. We um, we've kind of fallen in love with uh, the Gauntlet video game that came out um, probably about three years back. So we've talked about that before. Uh, it's cooperative. So like that's the I think that's the joy of it, right? You play with yeah. people that you want to hang out with. You talk. You see some. You do some cool things. You see some funny things happen when you mess up. Um, oh, I love cooperative. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the way to go. Uh, yeah. Oh, I also want to just say one thing. So for those of you listening, I swear I, th I thought I shut off my uh, Windows alerts. So if something just dinged while Matt was, uh, was talking, um, yeah, that was that. And I'm going to figure that one out because <laughs> apparently the button that I thought turned it off didn't do what I thought it did. Is that uh, why you were shaking your head yep, while he was talking? Yep, okay. I was, I was <laughs> like... really, really mad at that. When you listen, when you listen back to this recording, you're going to notice that you just said one thing again. Oh, oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> oh yeah, it's sued twice. Uh. <laughs> All right, um, I'm gonna go next, and then we'll let Scotty give his uh, his not one thing, um, his, <laughs> his his own thing. Um, so for me, um, well, I want I have a I have a PSA. So for a while now, um, I have been struggling to get my hands on a digital copy of Willow. Um, that apparently was not available anymore, uh, according to Amazon. And um, I was kind of fighting the good fight, um, trying to keep it real, give people my money, but, you know, still wanted to watch the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and apparently, for some unknown reason, I looked it up on Amazon uh, the other day, and it, poof, it is back. Uh, so I quickly snatched it up and happily watched it today. And I'll tell you, that movie is awesome. There are parts of it that still make no sense whatsoever, like, as a good, like, sword and sorcery movie should. Um, but, but like, it's like the, the plot is sometimes just like, okay, okay we're, we're going to, do, we're doing this now. That's fine. But the, my favorite part about that is General Kale. Do you guys remember General Kale at all? I, yeah. I don't. Do you know? The so big helmet, the big skull Yeah, the helmet. big skull helmet. <laughs> okay. He okay, is the, yeah, he yeah, is I'm... the most metal looking sword and sorcery <laughs> kind of guy. Oh, he's so good. And do you know who it is? So I looked this up cause I wasn't sure. It's Pat Roach. Who, if yep. you don't know who Pat Roach is, Pat Roach is the uh, the German in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, as well yeah, as the yeah, dude yeah. with the big sword, the swinging the big sword, uh, and he does a whole bunch of other things. And I was kind of thinking to myself, there is very few people that have had very small roles that have made such a visual impact as as he has. So like he's got like these iconic. Um, like low-level bad guy roles, kind of, and I thought that that was um, that was kind of neat. And in in genre films as well, he was uh, he was Tothamon in Conan the Destroyer. Yeah, that's he right. Was, uh, he was in Red Sonja as well. Yep. I am a I'm a total sucker for any any skull-faced villain. Like he's this guy awesome. Looks like bearded Skeletor. Yeah, he's awesome, and he's definitely wearing like football shoulder pads as well yeah, on yeah. the whole thing. He just looks huge. Yeah. Um, that film, I, I watched it probably two years ago. I think it actually aged very well. It's awesome. It's so good. I do. I, I think it. I think it aged well. Yeah, I, I watched it again, and I was like, "Yep, it's still really, really good." At the end of this, Alex, you're gonna, you, we're gonna put an Easter egg, and you're gonna hum the theme song. Oh, is that is that Ooh. what the? I have actually had a better <laughs> Easter egg idea. Edit out the the the, the clue. <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's right. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> 
Or is there an Easter egg? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, so the other, I have, a, I have another real quick one that I want to do is I got the, the latest Red Sonja, um, the new issue that's uh, being done by Dynamite, the new, the new run. Um, it's, it's good. I, I enjoy it. Um, it's more humorous than the, um, the Conan run that's happening right now. And I just want to read you. So plot-wise, the Zamoran Empire is essentially um, expanding and trying to, to take on... Um, uh, you know, take on smaller countries and, and kind of absorb them. So the uh, the um, the emperor of the, the Zamoran Empire sends a letter out to uh, I think it was Hycrania to ask for their surrender. This is the kind of tone of the of the uh, of the thing. This is the this is part of the letter. So you've decided to join the Zamoran Empire. A wise decision. Servitude has its benefits, and that's how it starts. And that's all I'm going to read, but that's you get the idea and the kind of tone that this that this is setting for. So I feel like some purists just went haywire at the mention of a Zamoran Empire. It's it is uh, comical, <laughs> but it still manages to bring uh, the blood and thunder. And it's you know it's very hard for me to ever say that something isn't drawn well. I'm usually very impressed all the time by the art anyway. Oh yeah. Um, so it looks amazing, um, and I think it hangs together pretty well. But it has that. It well, definitely has a, a a more humorous tone to it at times. And one of our Facebook followers, he mentioned that she doesn't. She only appears in the chainmail bikini in a flashback. Uh, yeah. So on the the covers have that. Obviously, um, I'd be interested to see what happens. Um, she's definitely uh, clothed, but mostly in like a, a burlap sack <laughs> sort of thing, um, because she's basically on the run, exiled. Uh, so it's not like she's actually armored uh, very heavily or anything like that either. Okay. So that's mine. Uh, my two, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, I, I tend to do that. I, I, I lay, we lay down the rules, and then I'm probably the first to break them. Uh, Scotty, so we've, been, we've kept you silent long enough. Now's the time to, to tap into to the guest. Uh, do you have anything that you're working on? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm working on something kind of interesting. I'm, doing, I'm going to uh, just a small little convention uh, next month, early next month, um, actually the first weekend of, the, of, of March. And um, I'm doing a – I'm going to run a one-shot, but I'm also going to do – I want to do it not with terrain. Usually I bring terrain and everything to these, but I want to do like kind of a multimedia presentation Whoa! Uh, as part of the game. So what I'm doing is, you know, like when you play online – I don't know if you guys have played online. So you might put – if you don't have a map, say – Maybe you'll put up a location that kind of gives you the feel of what you're looking yeah. at. I do that a lot when I do theater of the mind. Sure. Like I'll put, oh, the location looks like this. It's an old warehouse or whatever, but not necessarily a map, right? Of not not mapped out. But what I've been doing is I've been taking these locations and maybe adding a little bit of animation, like it starts out in this old dive uh, diner. And there's stars twinkling in the sky above the diner, you know. And then I put the music on the clip. So I can just keep playing the clip over and over until we role play that part. And then I can go move to, to another clip or play another clip. And I'm putting the music right on the clip so the music will be appropriate for whatever is happening in the game. And uh, it's not in the playlist or anything. I just choose what clip I want at that, what, you yeah. know, whatever the players do. And I'm actually going to project it. So it's cool. I'm going to be like in this single, it's going to be like in a, a single room. So I won't be with other games. Usually when you go to an invention, you're with other games and you, mm -hmm. you couldn't do anything like this. Mm. But I'm actually setting up a little projector and like projecting it, you know, at the, the end of the table. And then 
the musical play, and I'm really interested to see how this this goes. I've never tried this before, like a kind of a multimedia uh, RP, RPG presentation like this. That's, so it should be interesting. That's that really awesome. yeah. That sounds really cool. So, um, what are you doing to animate? What are you using for that? I'm just basically using a video editor. Sure. That's so cool. I'm just putting it into a video editor and adding elements, you know, right. to it. Like there's a there's a scene where there's this fog that change that uh, you know affects people, and I've got the fog, and you know I've got the shot of the you know uh, town that's all wrecked, and then the fog, you know, kind of floating around. So just little elements like that, I'm just animating. That's incredible. That that that'll be a really cool game, and I'd really like to hear how it went afterwards too. Yeah, you, I'm excited. Are you gonna do any video of it? Uh, I might, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking I might. I might have my wife uh, put uh, her to work and <laughs> they have her shoot some video. Great. Great. Very good. So I want to backtrack just a second before we get into the meat of everything and sort of cover a little history for the listeners. We have some people who may not be gamers, so they may not be acquainted with who you are. I'll, I'll lead it off, but I want you to feel free to chime in about all the, all the cool things that you've done. So DM Scotty can be found on the interwebs pretty easily. Uh, he is sort of a, a YouTube sensation, which took off with originally sort of, pardon the expression, but a, like a trash terrain build, essentially. So Scotty's videos, the premise were you can create um, RPG dungeons, uh, various terrain, um, you know, crumbled ruins and that sort of thing, using primarily cardboard, a glue gun. Uh, a little sand here and there, uh, as we talked about earlier, uh, and, and simple craft paints. And I, I think at the time, nobody really was doing any videos like this, and it caught on big time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, when I, when I started, there, there were, you know, terrain videos for, like, war games and that kind of thing. And I played a lot of war games, and I wanted to bring terrain to my game. But I didn't want to, the problem with ter, with terrain is it's tall, right? And you can't really see over it. So mm -hmm. I didn't like that aspect. I didn't want when you're playing an RPG, you don't want to stand up the whole time like you might at a war game. Because in a war game, you got to move around the table, move your units. You're moving to different, you know, all these different units just other side of the table. So you're constantly standing up most of the time. But with an RPG, that's uncomfortable. You don't want to do that. So that was the idea with the short walls, the simulated walls on the cardboard sure. to make it so you could just sit down and, you know, enjoy it. And when I started it, it was actually 2012 when I started doing this. And I thought, I'll do some videos and then, you know, because I thought the idea was fantastic. I'll start some videos and then, you know, I, I won't do any more. I'll just get this idea out there and maybe a couple hundred people will watch it and that kind of thing. Now there's like Dozens and dozens of crafting channels, you know, uh, uh, different uh, different success rates. Like um, Black Magic Craft, who's in um, a guild with me, where we do the Tabletop Crafters Guild. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Wylock, uh, Black Magic Craft, and DMG Info, uh, where we do the Tabletop Crafters Guild, which is on Facebook. And those guys are, have been pretty successful with it. There are other people of lesser success, but still, there's a lot that came out. Uh, it's so easy now to find those kind of videos, and when I started, there weren't any of those videos. Right. There weren't any RPG crafting videos like that. Right. I mean, really, the father of this this crafting movement, and I, I think the Facebook group is, I don't know, many, many thousands strong. Uh, your videos, uh, in terms of views, I know are many, many thousands strong, uh, which is, that must be really cool to kind of, like, think that, here, I'm putting out this idea, and then just have all this amazing success with it as well. It is. It's, it's really fun, and um, I really like, you know, um, interacting with people and, you know, um, just getting ideas out there that they might not have thought of, you know, because to me it's just like 
the ideas is it's like how do you get your ideas where do they come from and basically what i do is i think of what i want to make and then kind of the easiest way to make it you know uh, the cheapest and easiest way to make it there's always you know you can always do the most difficult way to make something but there's always a really easy way to make something also that looks great you know because it's all about the paint once you once you paint cardboard it looks like a dungeon it looks like stone it looks yeah. like rubble you know <clears throat> you would have never thought and people watch these builds and they're like oh that's trash I, I was like this is junk until you get to the very end and you paint it and it's like oh my god that's so great right uh, so it's real that's really the magic step I love that step when you paint it and then you get to see what you've all this junk you've cobbled together yeah and and I I basically started learning these other guys Logan and Matt they're artists they they have uh, an amazing amazing abilities they're shaking their heads at me but they're, they they I mean I'm kind of like on stick figure level for so when I picked this up and started doing my first video with you way 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 long ago I, suddenly I felt like I was an artist too and it was really cool and I you know it was the first time that I ever built something and I wasn't like yeah, it doesn't look anything like what it's supposed to look like. It actually looked like it, it was supposed to. I was, I was amazed. And the the other amazing thing to me was how all of a sudden I would just start to collect cardboard. There's cardboard. And no, no, you're gonna throw out that net? Don't throw out that Amazon box. Good goodness, it's like gold to me. But there's an episode of Portlandia about that. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so. But you guys, I mean, Matt, Logan, you guys have, have watched the video. I know um, Logan, Logan's um, have got his own style uh, in terms of, of, of art. Uh, I know you haven't done any, any crafting, which we'll, we'll get you to um, at some point. But I know Matt has too, so you guys go right ahead. So I'm going to admit I have limited RPG knowledge. Um, I have been, I've played, I don't know, maybe less than two dozen times, primarily with Pathfinder um, although I've ran some Savage Worlds games, so like Theater of the Mind is what I usually go to. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. But just before this, like seconds before this, I was watching your Tentacle Monster video um, because what Conan fan doesn't love a Tentacle Monster? <laughs> uh, and your creativity, like the the flower stems from Dollar Tree or whatever, I never would have thought of that. That was just like. It was so creative, like you're just pulling apart the flower and then the the paper towel and the glue wash. Like this is stuff I can do with like my my seventh graders for like their their history projects. Yeah. Oh, oh. totally. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. And that's that's how I always wanted it. You know that anybody felt like they could do it. Yeah. No, it was it was beautifully done. Like it was fun just like watching like the styrofoam all the 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 stuff that's just like disparate parts, and then you put on some paint and some wash, and then bam. Um, earlier I compared to him to Bob Ross, and I think that's that's true in the sense that it looks amazing and he, he sounds like he's having a great time. But like Alex said, it also looks like something you can do because I can speak from experience and that your point painting does not turn out like Bob Ross's. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually good to know because I recently was – they're on Netflix now, so I was kind of thinking yeah, about yeah. maybe doing a Bob Ross painting now that I can kind of like pause it and well, maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll back off a little bit from that. I'll stick, I'll stick to painting dungeon tiles. <laughs> uh, that was, you know, and that's the other thing about it too is I realized that the mistakes – 
in a dungeon aren't mistakes. Like, they actually, everything fits. If you kind of mess up a line, hey, you just turn that into to something. And there's a, really a lot that you can do with pouring sand on things. Happy little blood trails. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make an error. Everyone needs a friend. Yep. Green slime or blood trails. And you just get some, I mean, blood so easy now with blood from the blood god. And, uh, GW. Yeah. Fire a little of that on there. Whew, you're good to go. So you've been painting your Conan guys too, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I... I've been painting minis since I was in junior high, off and on. I'm, I'm not really a serious miniature painter. In fact, I, <laughs> I mean, I know what I'm doing, but I even sometimes commission people to do it because I just don't, I'd rather spend the time, you know, writing or whatever else I'm, I'm doing for monolith or, but the crafting, like when, and it's interesting, Scotty, you said 2012, I, I'm pretty sure I came to your channel around the genesis of the of the channel because oh wow um, yeah that was that was yeah i just threw a camera up just sheepishly started dogging into the camera and yeah i, just, I, I mean it was. it was it was uh serendipitous i suppose that i was looking for something gridless because i just i wanted to make cool terrain i, I decided you know i'm in my adult life at that point uh i had played D D theater of the mind pretty much entirely before that but i'd also played miniatures game but i wanted to bring it all together and i wanted to make awesome terrain uh, with great minis and have and have everything painted right like so some of the other videos that you did about like uh, rebasing hero clicks and all that you're really just speaking my language I was like yeah totally that ooh and, and now you're showing me That's how to right. get them off the base without cutting my hands off so this is how <laughs> I um, remember that video too I went hunting for hero click stuff yeah and I mean and it's that's that's what it is it's so true once you this this becomes a mindset right I, I'm willing to bet you all so just true. Go so out. true yeah you go into society you look in a trash can and you have to slap your own hand away from picking this thing out of it because you're like, ooh, that would make a perfect, you know, whatever. I remember I, uh, yeah, like my old dead-end jobs, I would always find all kinds of stuff. Like um, I worked at a grocery store and all the, the signage, which is like, it's pretty much like plastic art. I, ha I still have heaps of it in my basement for basing material because it's like, you know, it's, it's better than cardboard in the sense that it's not going to warp as easily too. More difficult. Exactly, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's awesome stuff. So that, uh, yeah, and, and actually at that time too, I was into Hearst Arts. I decided to make the total plunge and like buy molds and then start creating my own dungeon tiles and painting them. So mm -hmm. I kind of got on that train and I ended up, I went crazy for about two years and built setups for just about anything I'd want. And then I quit. <laughs> <laughs> like a, I've had enough. Now I just paint the miniatures because honestly, I have like play sets for just about anything. Did you get burnt out or you just had enough? You didn't need any more? I mean, uh, any day if someone was like, hey man, you want to make some terrain? I'd be like, oh yeah, I definitely do. But <laughs> it's just a matter of prioritizing other hobbies, right? Because I, I already have. Totally, yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah, mind you, I'm still collecting stupid crap that like I probably shouldn't be, but someday, man, this is going to make an awesome, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm sitting here in my smallish one-bedroom apartment. I'm like, where do you guys store all this stuff? <laughs> houses, man. We have houses. Yeah. I have a basement, so that yeah, that helps quite yes, a bit. Yes. Solid. Yeah, me too. I, Mine yeah. is all in my, my my basement's all unfinished, but I've got all these finished 
sweet dungeons, you see? <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I build up. I have an attic. So I have a, a finished third floor attic with a gaming table in there, and that's where all that, that junk is. I need shelves at some point because everything's right. spread out all over the floor now. But All uh, you we'll, fancy adults. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, give it a, de- I, give it a decade or so. I built a legit gaming room. So oh, I put so tons cool. of shelving in there. Um, I did like, you know, stonework on the walls, painted it all on the walls, wow. did a dragon flying through the sky, and, um, I've got, I put tons of shelving, so I got all this room for my terrain and stuff, because before what I was doing was, I was hauling all that stuff up from the basement for each game, <laughs> and boy, that was a nightmare, you know, and then, yeah. now, I can just leave it, if we have it in the middle of something, I can leave it set up, or I can pre-set up stuff, you know, up there, and it's not, and it's not in the way, so I'm just super excited for having this game room. I've got like a mini fridge up there, you know. I'm, I'm just, I am set. We nice. Are, we are good to go. You know, a sunken game table and everything, and it's just, yeah, it's my dream come true uh, room. So. That's awesome. <laughs> I finally got it after all these years. Yeah, well, you've earned it. You've earned it. I think yeah. when, you know, your your name is used the way it is uh, in gaming, you should probably have your own room for it. I think that's fair. I think that's Appreciate fair. Appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. People will have tribute, tribute rooms to you uh, before you have your own. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but listen, so, I mean, we've talked, we could spend forever talking about the craft stuff, but I know that you have, uh, you've started on a new project as well. Uh, and I definitely want to make sure that we have ample time covering that. Um, do you want to tell us about that project a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. Sure. Um, this November, Gareth uh, from the DNG Info and I uh, really were wanting to write modules, and so we thought, well, let's hook, let's get together, you know, put our skills together, and you know, when you bash your head kind of with another GM, you get really great ideas because sometimes. Mm-hmm. You've got an idea, and then someone else just takes it up to another level. You know, what I'm saying if you if you kick it, and I do that myself um, with friends. Like, oh, I have I have a friend who used to DM, and I'll bounce ideas off of him, and he'll give me ideas back. And sometimes it's more interesting than maybe the idea I thought of. So I love doing that. And uh, we decided to do uh, a cooperative thing called Quest Givers, and it's QuestGivers.com. And we're we're doing it's super challenging. We're writing a module a month. So we're doing a campaign, a 12-module campaign, and writing a module a month on top of doing mini-modules that are, like, attached to the module. So, for example, our first module, Death and Taxes, has a mini-module attached to it called the Arcane Vault, which was the reading for the first part of, the, of this podcast. So, you know, the, the, the Arcane Vault is an optional thing. You don't need to run it with the module, but it's kind of like downloadable content you might get for a video game, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and it fits with it. So, or you could just run it on your own without, without you know, the campaign. But we're doing like a 12-module campaign called the North Road Campaign, and you start, you know, you start at the lower end of the North Road, and you go all the way up, you know, through all these different uh, adventures. Uh, what I like is, you know, we're doing each adventure kind of a different theme, so there's really a lot of, of interesting uh, encounters and change throughout the campaign itself. Um, like there's one module, uh, Messenger in the Woods, is kind of like a time thing. You got to get, you got to get to where you're going before something horrible happens. And you know, there's one where you have mentors, where you meet these mentors, and they put you through these challenges. So there's all these, all this different kind of flavor. And uh, cool stuff in these modules. We've got we've got original monsters, so your players are gonna be like, oh, I know what that does, you know, mm. aha, you know, like they've never seen these monsters before, they don't know what it is. For example, the uh, the 
the tentacle monster you're talking about that I did is, is we call it a Sarlacarn, and it's it's from the Quest Givers modules and the little the little vignette thing I do in the module where the there's an old lady that comes up and meets yeah, the yeah. cap and talks to him. Well, and then she's like she has this like hoe that she uses to pry the pry the plates off of this uh, underground BC that like pops up with all the tentacles. Uh, so that comes from the modules. That's actually from uh, one of our modules. So. And Garrett did the voice for it, so which is which is super fun. That's great. And also, these yeah, mod these modules are, are system agnostic too. Yes, they are. So that was our idea. It's like if you write a module for D and D, then people just think of it as D and D, right? Yeah. They don't think of it as oh, I could run this for you know another system. Now I do that all the time. I take modules from other systems and run them with you know whatever game D and D or whatever. But not everybody wants to do that or thinks about that. So I instead of pigeonholing the great content into one system, why not, you know, make it system agnostic and then the, play, the the DM can like, or the GM can add their own stats to all the different creatures and things to fit their campaign. Also, they're not level dependent. So if your guys are higher level and you've got like these really low level goblins, well, then we don't have goblins, but you got these low level creatures, then you're just going to destroy them, right? And then the, mo the module is useless to you. But... Mm. If you if you make them your own level, the level that fits your characters, you can still play with the great content without being pigeonholed into a certain level. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. And we actually, you were kind enough to to give us a couple of PDFs to review, uh, take a look at. Yes, yes. And and I'll tell you, it's really really cool. I think the biggest thing we the three of us all kind of came down with with the same the same impression. Uh, the way that you guys handle the dialogue options in that is unique. It's different. I haven't seen anything like that, and it's very much like yeah. playing an RPG. Uh, yes, and I mean, I, really, I mean, like a, yeah. a video game RPG. Yes, <laughs> you are I really playing an like RPG it because it gives you an idea of the player of the character's personality, right? It, you totally when you from those responses, you totally get the character that you're talking to. It's like in D and D, if they say, "Oh, there's the lawful evil villain," ha ha. Uh, you yeah. know, it's like, okay, he's lawful evil. So what? You know, he's bad. But if you have the lawful evil villain that has these different dialogue choices, you immediately get that villain. You understand where he's coming from, and I really like that. It, I feel it gives you more of a feel for the NPCs than just saying giving them a label like lawful good or neutral or whatever. Yeah. Which, As uh, an inexperienced GM, um, I think the hardest thing for me was to come up with dialogue on the fly because I always use modules. Oh, yes, um, yes. I'm never prepared. But I, I, like, I read the stuff, and like I have an idea of what the character – you know, what I want it to sound like or be like or whatever. But when I'm doing it on the fly, trying to respond to, like, my players' questions or whatever, it's so hard. And sometimes it would be like, I got I got to take five minutes and think about this. But the way you guys do the dialogue and, like, cover the, you know, the important information and the way it's written conveys the characters really well. I think as someone inexperienced like me, um, that's super useful. And you know, I yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's great for new uh, game masters, and it's it's still it's still good for you know older older you know hats like me because, you know, sometimes you're not you're you've got a million things going on in your head right when you're running the game. You got the stats of everything. You got you got the story you got to do, and you got to do this and this and this. And you you know your brain only has so much RAM, right? So you're <laughs> sometimes you're like. Someone will ask you a question or whatever, and you're kind of like, eh, and you don't give the bet and most eloquent answer, right? Yeah. Well, if it's written down there, it's easy to like 
you know, pop into that and say, oh, you know, be the kid, you know, who are you, who's, you know, mispronouncing things. And, you know, it's funny because he's, you know, he's so young and, you know, you're learning about the society through the kid, but he doesn't necessarily understand everything, you know, like an adult would. So I, I think it really helps you in that regard to free up some of your RAM in your mind so you don't have to think of every witty answer. Uh, in the game, it's it's great. It uh, it reads like a choose your own adventure book that I that I grew Definitely. up with. That's what I that's the, what I kind of got the impression. Yeah, of yeah, from yeah. It. yeah. And we don't necessarily we don't and and something that's that uh, people have noticed in the modules is we don't tell you like oh here's the synopsis of the module right in the front of the module right you yeah. got to read the module and you're discovering it like the players would discover it yes right um, now some people may not like that but I like that because it makes it mo a more interesting read when you're ingesting it and I think you're more in, you're more um, invested in it when you're when you're when you're reading it like like cold on the on the new like you're you don't have oh I have the synopsis okay blah 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 you're like learning the story right from reading the module. Right, and, and Matt, I think you and I were talking about that as, as well. It's, it's interesting. It was definitely a little jarring at first, and having then read it, it yeah, all, it all kind of it all makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I guess maybe personally, I'm on the fence on as to whether or not it needs the summary or doesn't need the summary. I think um, it was a fun read. It made it certainly made it really engaging for me, and I was, as you said, I was invested in it. Um, and but maybe from the point of view from wanting to run a game, just understanding like what's happening <laughs> is also is there's a benefit to that too. That is a legit, yeah. That is a legit um, concern. Um, but the modules, you know, are they're about 30 pages, and that's that's artwork in there. Yeah. That's you know all laid out, and uh, you know, so it's not a huge read. So it's it's fairly easy to get through. Right. Yeah. So I think that can that can sustain it. And another thing with the layout, we wanted to be some modules is just paragraph after paragraph after paragraph, and I don't like that. Like, I wanted it to be laid out nicely so that, oh, these are the dialogue options for this person. You know, if, yeah. this, if this happens, these are the dialogue options. Okay, here, here, if you go here, go to this part. If you go here, go to that part. We really wanted to have more of an easier on the, you know, GM kind of layout than most modules. Yeah, I actually, uh, it, it sort of reminds me of the old modules, well, the ones that I would use to write for my older games, like the way it's laid out is so easy for me to see it, right? Like the experience I've had writing, like, you know, I, I've written an adventure for a Conan book and you don't really have any control over any of that. You just sort of write the bits that you need and then they get put into layout. But reading this book back over, like it was all so easy to find the things that you want. Um, and I, I love too that you had this little nodal piece where um, depending on what you do or what you ask, this is what the character will say. Oh, yes. Um, because it's system agnostic and because you're not, you're not, again, you're not thinking of all these stats and all this jazz, it really, the characterizations work out very well and then they become memorable, not only just for the GM or the person who has previously read it, but for the players as they, as they're playing it. Like you say about the, the kid who mispronounces things, like, <laughs> that is going to be a character, but that, that character will stick out in their mind, right? Yeah. And I find a typical complaint I have when I'm playing these games is that if the NPCs aren't memorable, then I may as well just be rolling dice. It may be a R-O-L-E playing game rather than an R-O-L-L playing game. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, it is a role-playing game, right. Right. <laughs> and and that's, that's what I really liked about uh, the modules is that 
it really seemed to highlight that. And it, and it did. It felt like a homemade something that I would that I would make that's like comfortable and easy to use. Um, even down to the fact that you've made it mostly black and white. Like you've got you've got your colored terrain bits in there too. Oh, yes, yes. Which is cool, but I, I actually really like the, the 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 black and white approach. Just made it, I don't know, something old school about it. it yeah, we it really nice wanted that classic. old school feel. Yeah, yeah. It, it has yeah. it has that great old school feel. And again, I yeah. I wanted to just comment on the art too. I think uh, was it was it uh, DMG that did the uh, the sketches? Yes. Uh, uh, he, yeah, yeah, he did. And then uh, I, I'm assuming a lot of that the ter terrain pictures are yours, right? Yes, I yeah, can kind of tell your style. I, I've done some sketches, but he's yeah, he's done a lot of the sketches. Yeah, yeah. so that that's right. that's really cool. And my my favorite part of uh, so we we got to review for um, just for references' sake, uh, death and taxes, which is the first uh, step in that twelve step um, series that you were mentioning, as well yes. as um, as well as the arcane vault, which is as you said a side quest. Uh, in death and taxes, I'm not going to spoil anything too deeply. Uh, there is the temple, and <laughs> and to me, we are a sword and sorcery po podcast. Right there, I was like, "Ooh, I have hooks. I have this is the hook right here. This is a very, very sword and sorcery uh, feel to it." And um, you know, from my point of view, while this is not purely sword and sorcery, and you know, that's totally fine. This can, right. this converts super easy too. I mean, I think that it's oh, there, yeah, there totally, are yeah. there are certain changes that you would make. Uh, if you wanted that feel for your game, um, you know, there's, I think it was the, the half, uh, I want to say he was a half ogre. He's a half ogre, yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Right, yeah. So, I mean, very, very simply convert him to, uh, you know, a, lar a large, a large man. Uh, and then you're, and then <laughs> yeah. you're all set. Uh, oh, but, totally, yeah. But it translates, and it's a still a very personal, um, it's a very personal story. It's on, it's still on, the, like, that, that, um, Sort of that street level superhero kind of feel, you know. You're still doing things for the people uh, of the, of the area, and I also thought it was cool that it was a, a matriarchal society or town. And it's interesting; you kind of organically discover that as you go through the module. Yes, you, know, you yes. discover yeah, that matriarchy that's that's the the power, you know, in the land, and uh, it's it's very interesting. It adds it adds a lot of verisimilitude and interest, I think, to the adventure. It it's really neat to be able to read it through and not have it like so I, i'm i'm way for I'm, I'm wavering on that whole um needing the summary in the beginning because i really enjoyed doing the read uh and like you said it's not long um so it was it was engaging story as well to read uh as just as literature well you thank you yeah it was fun <laughs> yeah no it's, it's true it was um it had that bit of detective angle right like yeah. as you're reading it over you are making the discoveries and you're having those oh oh i see yes which is highly unusual for a for a module but i mean honestly it it it, it was compelling uh like I, I wanted to keep reading it. it wasn't you know i didn't even just do the skim job i kind of just went through another and, thing uh, i really liked um at the very beginning is my the one that i'm looking at right now but you have little possible encounters and and possible events uh -huh. in past games like Usually that's just like stuff that ends up in like a fight, I guess, in my experience, my <laughs> limited experience. Players are creative. They're not necessarily um, – it's like flavor to the world. Like it gives character to the locations you're at. Yeah. They're interesting, and you might want to know more about that kind of stuff as opposed to just like you fight three goblins. And and you you may be running in danger of the classic, uh, you know, the D&D stereotype where <laughs> because you've made these – small, seemingly insignificant characters, uh, compelling and interesting, 
you you are you are in danger of having your party go. Oh well, I want to know what's going on with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the rest of it? What's going on which, with him? Which you can totally do with this module. You can really attach or not attach to the NPCs and still, I think, have a great time with it. Yeah, absolutely. And the cover art. Um, the, the the picture of Zerga on the cover is so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Gareth is so great at those uh, black and white sketches. Yeah, she's like a, a female Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> it gives me like almost uh, like a Tim Burton kind of vibe, almost. Yeah, yeah that's good. How, how did you like her pet? Oh, yeah. that was good. That was good too. Yeah, yeah. Terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. definitely. Don't spoil. That's right. Yeah, yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> That's right. So, so you guys are on, what's the one that you just released now? Number? Uh, Knights of Honor, number four. Number four. So you, okay. you've got... Or Knights of Old. I'm sorry, Knights of Old. So you've got quite a bit of work still ahead of you. And how are you finding yes. uh, the process of writing a, a module a month, essentially? Um, not too bad, actually. I just, you know, if you just kind of don't let it, you know, overtake you, like, t you know, keep at, you know, keep doing a little bits in here, you know, keep doing little bits, and then it's not the end of the month. It's like, oh, God, we don't have this thing written. Right. You know, it's like keep writing through the month, and then, you know, then you end up. So you just, you just got to be stay on top of it, you know. That's good life advice for everybody, actually. <laughs> it's true, and I guess it is, yeah. <laughs> hey, and it looks like, I mean, from the reviews that I've seen, um, you guys have a bit of a hit on your hands. It seems like people are, are really taken to it, and they're liking them. Um, so congratulations with that. That's pretty cool. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I, 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 I haven't had one person tell us yet that they didn't like the module. So, we're totally fine with that. You know, we're we're to I'm not against critiques. I'm an artist. I know critique. You know, I want critiques. Uh, you know, and they may not be everybody's cup of tea. But if you like, if you like role playing and just you know, great dialogue and you know, interesting ideas, and we try to flip things on their head. You know, so they're different. Yeah. Um, and that you know, and as the series progresses, they're all the all these modules are linked, you know, in cool ways, you know, interesting mm -hmm. ways. And then you learn more and more and more about what's going on, because um, you're just the tip of the iceberg there, you know, in death and taxes. Yeah, and again, I, I really just want to comment for anyone who's looking to pick up one of these modules, you're really gonna get uh, that amazing dialogue set of choices, and that's not something that I've ever seen anyone really do. Maybe someone's doing it somewhere. Um, but it was highlighted here, and and really, not only are you getting a, a good story and, and and some some good um, a good module in itself, but really like the heavy lifting for a DM is like taken care of for you in this. It's it's pretty cool. That's what we were going yeah. for. Yeah, I've not seen it done certainly to that extent. Um, things I've I've written too. I'll put small dialogue pieces, but then some some publishers aren't really going to desire that either. But for me, like. I don't really use modules, but this is something I would use because you could cut and I mean, you could even just use portions of it. Yes. Um, oh, totally. You know? Yes. Yeah. It's a little less of a module and a little more of a biome, if you will. Sort of like you have these points of interest that yeah. all yes, have yes. maybe mm -hmm. like their own mm -hmm. little thing going on here. And it felt, again, I, 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 I felt to me very much like a Bioware uh, kind of yeah. kind of game. Like you're going like, uh, you know, like you have these little... Mass Effect dialogue choices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You get the dialogue choices. I, I would go Knights of the Old Republic because I'm old. But, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you guys like the side quest? 
Yeah, the side quest was great too. Yeah. So that one um, for me is a little more straightforward because it is a quick quest. It's pretty a dungeon crawl. It, yeah. It, that's yeah. So it's basically a yeah. five room dungeon. Um, so not that I, I wanted to shy away from talking about it, but I think that uh, your style really shows through in the death and taxes module. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah. You know, and I think it's a you know it's it's more a little standard fare. But even that had those again those really cool dialogue options uh, and and some some really really interesting concepts as well. And I've got to say, for like a sword and sorcery fan, I think the arcane vault, the the quick quest we looked at, can easily be fit into like a sword and sorcery thing. Um, I really like the. I don't want to spoil anything, but like the, they're basically painted up zombies with magic powers. Right. That was really cool, and like the spirit that you can communicate with. Yeah, and it, I didn't recognize it at first until I read it, but the picture you have of the terrain is just, it's a map of the dungeon. Yes, yes. Yes. Oh, and, you mean the cover? Are you talking about the yeah, cover? Yeah, yeah. The, the layout of the dungeon is super cool, because it's like, which door do you want to go through? And you can go through it at whichever, you know, and you kind of unravel the mystery as you want to, like, as the players do organically, as opposed to, like, Here's room one, hallway. Room two, hallway, kind of thing. I like right, that. Like a, lot. a railroad dungeon where it's like yeah. this room, this hall goes to this room, and this hall goes to this room, and this, yeah. And it still felt like it was a real place, like it had I, a purpose, which is the problem with a lot of dungeons. I think that oh, yeah. they're just there for the sake of being a dungeon, as opposed to being like it was built for this purpose so long ago when it has an ecosystem and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like why is it there? Why why is there a dungeon there? What's mm -hmm. what's the, yeah? What's the ecosystem? What's the what's the reason for building it? Yeah. Uh, that's all things I think about when we create these. Yeah, I, I think that that approach is it becomes important. Like when I was younger, you know, in my teens, playing the game, that I, I even started doing it to that point. But like, I feel like as older people and storytellers, like you kind of you kind of got to go the whole way and and consider those things. And I'll say too, I really love even beyond the dialogue choices, the little write-ups, the mini write-ups of the room descriptions and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. You know, I've read, oh, I've yeah. read a ton of those in, in my day uh, and written some myself, but they're not always awesome. Sometimes you can, you can tell they're not necessarily done by uh, accomplished writers or what have you, but I, I, I think everything read very well, you know, even good verbiage. Yeah, uh, I put on my my lots of vocabulary. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> uh, but no, I thought it was I thought it was solid. This also gives you guys a really cool opportunity to hit um, rubber in the road for in terms of your terrain and really showcasing mm -hmm. it with mm -hmm. a story. You know, yeah. that, that's oh, kind yeah, of a neat opportunity. And all the too. modules have terrain pictures in them, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sort of got that like that triple threat thing going on. You're like singer, dancer, and actor. You know. Yeah. I wish we were keeping that video. <laughs> <laughs> it must be satisfying though too to like have a, a written product finished, and then you have the physical. Uh, the layout that you can that you can put down and have it there, and then of course you got your your special PC minis painted up and placed down. I, I I just have always loved that when you have a facsimile in front of you of what's in your imagination. Oh, totally. Yes, yes, I do too. And actually, I wanted to bring up this question to you specifically, Scotty, because it's something I consider a lot and something I even wrestle with. I think is you know as I said back in 2012 when I got back to D and D. I shifted from pure theater of the mind to wanting to have cool terrain setups with minis, et cetera. And 
I often wonder, like, what is the trade-off there between using terrain, like, down to having every little detail, like the particular kind of forest? Um, what's the trade-off there between theater of the mind and on the table? Like, you personally, as the DM or the player in that situation, do you still find you, you slip into that theater of the mind even though you've got all the props in front of you? Oh, totally. I use lots of theater of the mind in my games, and people find that weird when I say that, but mm. like when we go to towns, I don't set out the whole town and then, oh, you go to this shop and you go to this shop and you go to this shop. Yeah. Like, we just role, role play that. Why, why mm. do you need to set up? Really, the only reason I set up terrain is if there's uh, going to be an encounter. Yeah. And I don't, and I usually set it up right when the encounter happens. So if they're going somewhere and they don't know there's going to be an encounter. If you set it, if you set the terrain out, there's like, oh, there's going to be a fighting encounter right now, you know. Yeah. Or, or sometimes maybe I'll set up terrain for to look at while they role play, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So it kind of depends, um, but you don't need to show everything. And there are times where I won't even lay out a whole dungeon. Like if they're going through halls, you don't need to lay out every hall. No, you can. Just... That's not that interesting. Yeah. That, that's um, exactly the uh, that was pretty much the question that I was asking you prior as well mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I when you're talking about dungeons and multi-room dungeons with the halls oh my god the halls <laughs> I can't imagine people crafting and I know they do I know some do but oh, yeah. they, they will oh, yeah. craft every last detail of the halls I have a hard enough time filling a room uh, and and that's great if you can do it if you have the time to do it I'll, I want to play in your game uh, <laughs> but but I can't do it <laughs> And I try to make stuff, you know, playable on. You can make a, a really cool rock, you know, with all this, you know, stuff coming off of it. But if you can't stand a mini on it, what good is it to you? Right. Uh, another thing is make it reusable. Like, don't, you know, make make the pieces of something that you can put together. Don't make the something, okay? So say you want to make a castle, right? Don't make the whole castle. Make some walls you can put down with some ramparts on the top and then some buttresses or something. You, that, you know, and a few minutes you've got that set up. Less right. than a few yeah. minutes you've got that set up. Instead of like making a, a castle that you may use once ever, and then you've got this huge castle to store. Mm -hmm. But if I make some walls or whatever, I can store those in a box. I can take that all apart and store it in a box. So I'm always thinking about how can I re – if I make this, how can I reuse it? You know? sure. um, so you know, that's the thing with my, my latest iteration of what I do that, that called Tilescapes. Tilescapes, yeah. It's all very modular. There's no walls on there. So all the walls are defined by windows or doors or whatever. So you can lay it out in any way you want. There's no restriction. Like in the 2.5D, there's restrictions because there's walls. But with the Tilescapes, there's no restrictions to laying it out. So that's kind of my current iteration of what I do at the table. To, uh, sure. to comment on the Tilescapes, when I saw that, I mean, it looks like Diablo. Right, like a video game, like yeah, <laughs> right. right, and it, it, it was yeah. immediately like, this is so cool. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is even better than before. How do you do that? <laughs> I might be behind on the times. I don't know. I, I've I've certainly heard the term, but now I can't visualize what tilescapes is. Oh yeah, it's the it's the isometric system. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. that's the DM's crafts isometric system. <laughs> so basically, it's just tiles. Um, that and what I do is I stamp on them. I I make a stamp out of foam core and yeah. stamp a thing on it, and then I turn it over and stamp another thing on it, so I can have two double duty on the tiles. Also, they're so quick to stamp. Like if I'm gonna have like maybe a sandstone dungeon, 
I could just stamp those out in an, in an evening, you know. Right. Um, whereas if you're carving out of foam or whatever, or even cutting it out of cardboard, it could take you a day or so, you know, to do yeah. all that. Um, so that's what I really like about the tilescapes. Now, I usually use the cork and kind of soak it in glue to get it hard, but you can also use this five millimeter craft foam and do it that way, and it takes the stamps great. I've used both. Uh, so it's just, it's super simple. Yeah, yeah. I, saw, I saw, I I definitely have seen your stamping technique. Actually, I think I remember watching Yeah, that's the tilescapes. Yeah, that's the tilescapes. Yeah, when you were, I think it was when you were like still perfecting it and trying out new things. So that was a little while ago, I think. Mm-hmm. A couple yeah. of years back for Father's Day, um, we set up shop outside and we did a lot of stamping and we did, I think we did cavern floors. So that was, that was my big Father's Day gift is uh, the three of cool. us went. Yeah. It was really, really fun. It was pretty cool. But oh, listen, man. so why don't, we, why don't we segue into our, we have a ton of question and answer. So we do, when we do this, uh, we're going to like quick fire you some questions. Uh, you, can, you can take as long or as short as you'd like on it, but they're just, gotcha. they're just things that, um, that we kind of think about. Um, and you know what, Matt, why don't, you, um, why don't you kick off and you can just kind of dig into those questions if you'd like. Uh, I don't have my document in front of me. Oh, then I will <laughs> do that for you. <laughs> while, you while you pull up that document, um, my, actually, my first question is, what is your estimate on number of glue guns that you've sold? personally that you're responsible for selling <laughs> it, it has to be in the hundreds now you're being modest it could be more it could be in the thousands i don't know i know i didn't uh, own a glue gun prior to that but <laughs> but yeah um I've, i'm sure i've sold a lot of glue guns i mean it's pretty much in the craft if you're if you're a crafter sure a DM crafter, it's pretty much in the kit of everyone. Sometimes I wonder if, like, the, the, the folks that make, like, uh, the hot wire cutters are like, this has been a really good month. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> and I do, I do have affiliate links on my video, a little plug for me, me, me. I do have affiliate links on my video, so if you go to any of those links and buy that stuff, it give me, there's no extra charge. It gives me a little bit of extra kickback. So that's, that's a nice way you can support the channel and get what you want or get what you need. That's fantastic. That's great. And um, so, Logan, I'm going to throw it to you then. Why don't you kick off a question? Okay. So um, me being um, limited in my RPG and crafting knowledge, I'm going to go to my go-to, which is sword and sorcery. Um, so surely you being who you are, you're familiar with, sword and sorcery is at least Conan the Barbarian. Oh yeah. Um, so what is your favorite sword and sorcery like setting book movie character anything like that? My favorite my favorite character who I wish they would make a movie uh, into it's a little 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 beyond maybe sword and sorcery but I love Michael Moorcock books. I love oh, yeah. Elric. Elric. Yeah. Benet and it's so his books are so visual, like they're like a movie. They're almost like a script written for you in the book, and like I do not, I do not know why someone has not made a movie of yeah. Elric. Like, I mean, why have they cool not done this? Yeah, right. yeah, really good, really good series. He's bread and butter, sword and sorcery. Yeah, um, and it is. I, I see why you hesitated though, too, because I think it really. It's got that epic fantasy feel. Yeah, it's as got well. that kind of high yeah. fantasy element to it, right? He's like yeah. basically an elf, but it's yeah. so it's like all the adventures are so personal, and the world is weird and not like a stock standard fantasy kind of thing. What happens to him too? There's 
just that darkness element about yeah. it. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that he's addicted to drugs that are keeping him alive and his sword eats souls. Like, that's, it's that's basically a dying world. Yeah, what a great oh. thing for drama. You know, the sword yeah. is like a drug and you can't get rid of it because yeah. you, like, physically need it, but you're, yeah. you know, addicted to it. Sweet concept. So, yeah, what a great character. Yeah, awesome. we're going to have to touch. Uh, I mean, we're definitely going to touch on Elric in a future episode. Um, he is on the list. Don't worry about that. Awesome. Um, I can fire a question, I suppose. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I actually just wanted to ask, like, obviously, you know, you popped on the the internet, the crafting channel scene uh, in 2012, as you say. Did you always use minis in terrain, like, back in the day? I'm sure you have a back in the day. I'm not assuming things. <laughs> oh, yeah, way back in the day uh, when D&D was first out. I actually did use a lot of minis, and I had these printed kind of dungeon tiles uh, oh, yeah. that I used. I actually used those. But then there were years and years that went by, and I didn't play. And then I played war games kind of in the meantime, like Warhammer 40K and stuff. So I I actually sold terrain on eBay for, for quite a while um, until the recession happened, and I kind of quit doing it. But <laughs> like I did sculptures and terrain and stuff, but the recession happened, and that killed that. So I, I stopped doing that. But um, – I always, you know, I've always loved terrain, and when I got back into D and D, I'm like, well, how can I make this so I'm not slave, you know, because war game terrain takes a lot of work. So I'm like, how can I make this where I'm not spending hours and hours and hours making one dungeon? I can do it quickly and cheaply, and that's when I kind of came up with the the cardboard method. And it's worked swimmingly ever since. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me. Yeah, a few, few people use it. <laughs> I've got a yeah yeah a couple. Uh, I've got a uh, more questions in my bag of holding here. Let me see what I can pull out. Cool. Um, what is your favorite go-to RPG? And if it's D and D, let's say not that isn't D and D. Um, probably you know I might get I might get shot for this, but D and D probably isn't my go-to but my group loves it like yeah. they know it they love it there are other rpgs that i like more but they love it and so that's what that I ma want. It I, matters I, you need them to play you need to get yeah, you need yeah, to have a group yeah 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 and i do like 5e i mean i for me as far as D D goes i think it's about the best we're gonna get can right? i venture I a guess is it dungeon world is your favorite i really like dungeon world a lot and Dungeon World, if you haven't read Dungeon World, read it, because it will yeah. help you immensely become a better DM huh. because of the way the system works. Um, it was a mind-blower from when I read it. It kind of blew my mind. So I at first didn't get it. Like, I didn't understand it because I was so mired in that I do something, you do something mm. dice mechanic thing. And yeah. Dungeon World is not like that. It's all player-driven. Um, there's... There's different results, like there's kind of a failure result, result. there's a you get something, I get something result, and then there is a total success result, which it's mostly you get something, I get something. So usually it's a complication or something that makes it more interesting, and you know, you've got to really be on your toes to run that system. It's really, <laughs> for me, it's strenuous as a DM to run that system, but... It was kind of a mind blower for me. My actual favorite system at the moment is called ICRPG, and it's Index Card RPG. Oh, I don't I've know heard if you guys know Hanker and Fresnel, but he is this mad genius RPG guy, 
and he does terrain like I do. He was inspired by me, but he also wrote this system. And the index card comes from basically the idea is you take index card. He does sets where he has like pictures on them, and you can lay them down on the table to represent rooms or items in the room, or you know what I'm saying. And then yeah, so it's because when you're when you're uh, theater, the minding it is easy to forget stuff that's in the room, right? Sure. But if you lay it on cards, it's all clear. It may not be exactly where the thing is, like the terrain that I do, but it it always reminds you what's going on in that room, and it's something to look at. Because we're kind of creatures of like the fire. We we sat around the fire and we looked at it while we told our tales, right? So oh, we yeah. want something to focus on, right? And that's what I think terrain is so great because it gives you – your mind goes into this little world and it gives you something sure. to focus on while you pretend that you're in this world. And so IPRG does that kind of um, – brilliantly by using these index cards that you can buy sets that he's created or you could just draw your own actually um so but the system is kind of like stripped down roll 20 like it's a d20 system that's stripped down to its most basic components so it's super easy to run and um <clears throat> i find that it's really easy for the gm and the players to interject their own character into the game right and it's it's a very rules light system, so I am a huge fan. Uh, if you're not familiar with ICRPG and Xcard RPG, check it out. Wow, that's one I'm cool. actually not yeah. familiar with, so that's pretty well, cool. Yeah. yeah. When you said index cards, I immediately was jumping to Fate, and I thought maybe that it was something like that. But Fate seems certainly <laughs> more abstract than than right, this. It right. seems more of a right. a literal translation of of, uh, of placement. Neat. We got other questions. I've got other questions. Um, <laughs> I've got some questions. Got shoot away, shoot away. <laughs> Logan, I don't know if you asked uh, what the question was preceding Elric, but I have like, what is your favorite? What is your favorite sword and sorcery, preferably or fantasy film? Oh uh, boy, my favorite <laughs> film. I would have to say Excalibur. Oh, oh yeah. such a good one. Nice. Yeah. Um, I just love that. I actually just recently watched it again. Yeah, it's on the um, Amazon Prime. Yeah, I just I love that film. It just you know when you get goosebumps when you when you do something or watch something you get these goosebumps. That's yeah. what I get when I watch that film. It's so visually beautiful and profound and uh, it's just amazing. Like I just it, it's it's a work of art. I mean yeah. John Borman created this work of art. And it, it transcends just being a fantasy film. It's not, you know, it's not a hack film. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. It, it just it's art. <laughs> it literally is art. Right. It's right. like I think a lot of fantasy movies. I mean, Lord of the Rings took itself pretty seriously as as a movie, but a lot of fantasy films uh, fall into that idea that they have to be like cheeky. Or yes, they do. Like, yeah. To, to to be a legitimate film, but. They the film is a great it, it's a work of art like I would argue much like Conan the Barbarian eighty two they yeah. took it seriously they knew what they wanted to be and that's what it was and you can tell exactly right yeah and I mean that's that's every pretty much every example we've seen of fantasy translating well to film has been because it's taken it seriously and not made it out ooh the fairies are flying yeah. and we're yeah. going on a quest <laughs> right exactly you <laughs> knew it was coming Alex <laughs> we're going on a quest <laughs> you gotta have a voice every episode uh, so I actually I got one quick one too um, I want to hop back to, to D&D &D. Um, when you play 
what is your go-to class? Oh, when I play? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't get to play as much as I would like. I kind of hop around. Um, I just, you know, I get invited to a game, and it might be a one-shot or a few. I'm actually in a game that's on Thursday nights. It's not next week because of Valentine's Day, but it's sure. it's on uh, Mini Terrain Domain's channel, and I'm playing in a game. I'm playing this paladin who didn't train to be a paladin. It's like it's had a hard time dealing with his powers and that kind of thing. Huh. And uh, so it's been a lot of fun. Nice. Of fun. I was hoping you would say monk because we got this thing <laughs> oh <my> on the. <laughs> we got this thing on the state on this channel that uh, on this channel on the show um, that Logan uh, does not enjoy monks at all. Uh, and, yeah, I've oh and I've made an, my and daughter I, loves to play monks. That's so funny. I've made it, I've made an argument like that. that in D and D classes are nothing more than dice mechanics, and you can be anything you want to be. And just take those dice mechanics and sort of, you know, if you wanted to be a merchant, you're just a merchant that has the dice mechanics of a monk or something like exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. But, but he's, he's not buying it. <laughs> I think for me, like, I wasn't born in, like, the 80s when ninja movies were, like, all the rage. Like, I see a ninja and I cringe. Like, I don't want to see a katana in my fantasy even once. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, that's totally under. That's totally understandable. But you know, you don't have to play with it. So you know. Uh, yeah, that's true. I know. I know. I'm just a bitter old man. So, I mean, so, yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> if, if you if you lived through the '80s, you were under the impression that ninjas were going to be a big problem in your life. <laughs> yeah, I always thought they would be. Yes, I thought they'd be much more of a problem. <laughs> it's funny, Alex. Uh, that was going to be my next question. I was going to just go right for it. So, Scotty, Monk, best class or best class? Uh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't will say that monks are pretty awesome. They are a pretty awesome character class. Um, yeah, the, I, I, I always enjoy um, seeing people play them because they're a lot of fun. And uh, my wife's playing – I was doing Curse of Strahd, uh, and my wife's playing uh, a monk in that. And she's done some crazy fun stuff, so – they're pretty cool. They are, they're yeah, definitely yeah. pretty cool. And I and yeah. again, I, I I hate to harp on it, but you could play it as anything. You could be a uh, barbarian uh, by you know from where you're from. Like the, you could be a big hulking monk, uh, where the mechanic is really attack, and then in D and D, sort of that open hand attack that follows. That's a very uh, as I said it before on the show. That's a very barbarian type of attack if you think about it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just Grant, think of it in a different way. Yeah. Right? Great. It just, it's how you frame it. It's really how you frame it. Granted, and, catch, catching arrows is not necessarily a very And that's really thing. when you play a kind of a stripped-down RPG, that's what you're doing. Yes. You know, yeah. you're not using the mechanics, you're using the flavor. Yep, exactly. Right. Yep. Right. So, yep. all right, guys, what other questions do we have? Do we have anything else? Um, I have one more uh, that I'd like to ask, and that would be on artists and art. So, obviously, there's been a long tradition in RPG games and or paperback novels. Um, of just fantastic painted artwork, um, and I would like to ask, who is your favorite sword and sorcery and/or fantasy artist of all time? Oh, geez, it totally has to be Frazetta, Frank Frazetta. I mean, <laughs> yes. that's pandering. That's pandering, Scotty. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's Frank Frazetta. You know? Okay, good. As long as I mean, I actually, is there anybody else? <laughs> is there anybody else? No, all right, you can stay on the show. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> all right, I got one final question then, and it's sort of uh, more about Scotty the person. Uh, when you are at work, what do do people know? First of all, people must know of your 
all, your alter ego. Uh, <laughs> and and is it are you like is it cool or is it or are they like <laughs> like <laughs> they're like get they, back get back to work. <laughs> They really don't, but I will tell you a fun story. A few people do. Of course, I have a good friend that works here. He totally knows you know, what I do. Sure. Um, but uh, I, I was here one night, and I was uh, working, and the program director came in, and he said, uh, you know, I, uh, my, my cousin in Texas – uh, was asking me if I knew some guy who did terrain in Dayton, Ohio, because he knew I was from Dayton, Ohio. And he showed him the video, my, my videos, and it's like, oh, my God, that's a conversation. <laughs> that's cool. Oh, my God. So it was funny. Like, it was just this weird backdoor way that he found out about me, you know, doing this stuff. That's good. And uh, he said, yeah, your stuff was really cool. I was just, it was just, it was, it was really funny that, you know, he's, you know, he's from Texas and he, a fan of yours and showed me your stuff and it's like yeah i work with that guy right right <laughs> so. just kind of picture you like on the street yeah. and some guy in like a hoodie pulled over his head he's like hey you the guy that does the stuff <laughs> <laughs> i do get recognized occasionally even in, you know even in dayton yeah, uh, cool. i've gone to the grocery store and had someone work there you know scotty i'm scotty i'll hear dm scotty or whatever <laughs> uh, so, yeah that's cool <laughs> That's you, awesome. That's fun. You've got the you've got the distinct look. You, you're you're gonna jump out. If I'm hard to miss. Like, yeah, I'm hard to miss. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good stuff. So as always, I want to just make sure that we um, plug the Facebook page, Rogues in the House on Facebook. That's the easiest place to get uh, to get us. Uh, and the other thing we have to do is definitely thank Eric Parker. Right. So we got a new yeah. logo. We got a new logo for the show. We didn't uh, even ask him for it. Yeah. He just did it out of the kindness of his own, like, molten steel heart. Super totally awesome. Totally super awesome. cool, and it's really – it looks really, really good. I mean, I'm not even I'm not even jealous that you usurped my, my logo that I made. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you like know, we said, Logan, your your logo is like the throwback jersey logo. Yeah, we're going right? to have some T-shirts. Yeah, at some we're, point. we're still going to definitely use that logo. That's, that's <laughs> cool. Like when you're going for the 1980s look, we got yeah. that. Uh, and of course, we want to always thank the uh, the listeners. You guys are awesome. The you know we've we've grown every episode. We've grown um, in in the group and in our listenership, and we really do appreciate that. Um, and we got to thank you for the emails. I think I got two emails this week. It's greatly appreciated. Um, it's been a busy week for me. I try to answer them quickly, and and elaborate. I do read them. Um, if it seems a little light, it was just because I was swamped this week. But we really appreciate the. Uh, the comments, the feedback, the ideas, fantastic. I wanted to uh, just go back to the – and, yes, of course, I, I agree with that, Logan. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to go back to the, uh, the logo again. Because a, a, a listener pointed out that the axes on there look like um, Snaga, I think is how you pronounce it. I don't know oh, if yeah. you guys have read uh, Legend or Druss by – any of the Druss stories by um, David Gemmel. Gemmel yeah. But – like that's something we're going to need to cover in the future. So I'm saying it now, so that we I've, do. I've heard tell of said stories, but have never oh, read them. They're they're totally rad, and he's got he's got an axe, which is sort of uh, a similar situation as what Elric has got going on there. Rad. S- sounds like more homework. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. The best kind. The best kind. The best kind. Absolutely. Just the legend, man. It's good stuff. Very good. All right, so let's move into our uh, quick closing thoughts. 
Logan, do you got anything else you want to add? Well, not off the top of my head, but I think we should uh, at least plug the products that we reviewed um, graciously given to us by Mr. Scotty here. Um, again, what uh, I'm going to ruin it. Uh, it's uh, There's Quick Quests and um, remind me again what the other one's called. Uh, Death and Taxes? Yeah, Death and Taxes. Um, quest Givers. Um, awesome products. Enjoyed them immensely reading through them. I think they are a unique unique product. Um, as Matt and Alex and I have all said, um, haven't really seen modules presented in that way before. Uh, and I really appreciate that it's system agnostic. So good stuff. Thank you very much for allowing us to to see those. Yeah. Oh, sir, very welcome. It. Yeah. Matt, you got anything that you'd like to add? No, I mean, I, I, I would also thank uh, Scotty for coming aboard. Um, you know, I watched your videos for many years. I, I just, I've, I've I got a lot of affirmation from the videos. You know, I'd watch and be like, yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> this guy. Uh, and, you know, of course, I'm not alone in that. So uh, congrats on all, uh, all that you do. And, uh, and, and, yes, thanks again for visiting us rogues in this here house. Yeah. <laughs> oh, been a lot of fun. Good, Thank I'm you. Glad. Thank you. And, and Scotty, we want to um, give you one last chance to definitely um, plug your, your stuff. Quest Givers, uh, take it away. Okay, guys. Uh, yeah, so um, I'm DM Scotty of the DM's Craft. So my, my, my thing I'm known for is the DM's Craft, which is on YouTube. So if you, if you type in DM's Craft in any browser, you're going to find me. But I'm on YouTube. And then uh, our newest venture we were talking about, the questgivers.com. Uh, we're doing modules every month and also extra modules like mini modules. If you join our mailing list, you get alerted to when the modules come out. Also, like extra content that we're, gonna, we're putting out, uh, giving to people who are on the mailing list, so you might want to do that. And, uh, yeah, we're just super excited about these modules. They're modules that I want to run, I want to play, and uh, it seems like a, a lot of people are agreeing with us. So uh, if you get a chance, check out questgivers.com and the DMs Craft. Excellent, awesome. and thank you again very, very much for coming on. Uh, it's really been a blast. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we can have you again sometime. Oh, yes, definitely. Anytime. Awesome. Uh, well, don't be careful what you say. <laughs> <laughs> I love to talk about this stuff. <laughs> hey, one quick question before we go, though. I, uh, I wanted to know, have you run the, uh, your modules? Have you had your, your group over and, and run any of them yet? Uh, actually, I have not. I have not actually run them myself, but um, I'm going to run them for my daughter and her friends. They're big RPGers, nice. so I'm excited about that. And uh, yeah, it should be interesting. Excellent. All right, cool. Well, Please. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up. Thank you again very much uh, for Matt and Logan. Uh, this is Alex. Make sure you go on to questgivers.com, get on that mailing list, and may your swords always remain sharp. Shing! <laughs> <laughs> was that Shing or Schwing? Are we going back to Wing Wolf here? I was trying to do that, you know, Shing! When they yeah, that was good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Shwing! <laughs> <laughs>
Excellent. Awesome. Cool.